Welcome to Choir Talks. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. It's going to be a great week. We're continuing to look at the book of Ephesians, which is one of my favorite uh, letters of Paul in the New Testament. Today we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I entitled this Unity in Our Day. And then, and here's the parentheses, we have the answer. Um, there's so much going on in our society over the last few weeks, and um, Boy, unity is not the word that you would use to describe us as Americans right now. Um, It has been a very difficult time. Um, But I want you to listen to me, with me, to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 here. And by the end of this, I want you to be encouraged that there is a path to to unity. And uh, so listen and see what the the letter has to tell us about that. Um, Chapter 4 begins the second half of this letter of Paul, and it, it is very obviously divided up in two halves. The first three chapters are doctrinal chapters. They're where Paul is teaching us about what God has done and, and who we are in Christ and, and how he has saved us and put us in um, the church and how he has formed the church. So it's a lot of teaching. The second half of the book is a very obvious change, and it's, the change is now very practical. It's what are we supposed to do in light of what we've learned in the first three chapters? How are we supposed to live and act and be as believers? So I really like this second half because, you know, I just want the, the practical. I really want to know what it, what it takes for me to live a life that pleases God, that brings glory to Him. And so these last three chapters are going to give us some insight into that. Um, so verse one says, um, says this, I, therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So, uh, notice the word therefore, that therefore is the, is the dividing line between the first half and the second half. So in other words, he's saying, um, here's what you should believe. Therefore, this is how you should live. And he uses a metaphor here to teach us about how to live, and the metaphor is to walk. He says, walk worthy. Um, I love, there's an old book um, by a Chinese pastor who wrote this book about 100 years ago, I think. It's called uh, Sit, Walk, Stand. His, uh, the pastor's name was Watchman Nee. And uh, he, he outlines the book of Ephesians using those three words that you find in Ephesians, sit, walk, stand. In the first chapter, if you've listened to that podcast with us, you'll remember that we talked about being seated in Christ. Uh, and over and over in chapter one, he tells us that we're in Christ and we're seated in him, uh, and that we have this position in Christ. And so uh, Watchman Nee makes this cool observation. He says that Christianity doesn't begin with a big do. It begins with a big done. Uh, We don't do something to earn God's favor. It is done uh, through the cross. We we have uh, God's favor. We have a relationship with God because we are seated in Christ. That's our position. But then in verse 4, he highlights the word walk. So how do we live out this position that God has given us in Christ? How do we um, have our lives match up with who we are in Christ? Um, And so that's that's where we start in in chapter 4. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling which you have been called, the calling in Christ to be a child of God. And so how do we walk worthy? What does that look like? So here's verse 2. He says, with all humility and gentleness, 
with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I should back up and say the calling we have is to a relationship with God in Christ, but it's also to be a part of the church. And that's what he described in the last chapter, is that we are in relationship with other believers in the church. And so how do we walk worthy in the context of the church? Well, here's characteristics that we need to have in our lives that will keep us in unity with the other members of this family that we have been called to, um, to be a part of. Um, and, and so what's the difference between unity and uniformity? Um, because we're all vastly different. Um, so our call is not to be uniform, but to be uh, unified. Uh, I've, I've taught Ephesians several times in the jail uh, near where we live here. And this is an easy illustration in the jail because everybody I speak to is wearing an orange jumpsuit. And so it's easy for me to say to them, you guys are unified. Uh, you're uniform because you've been issued this uniform, but you're not unified necessarily. Every one of you is unique and different. And so that's an easy get for them. So uniformity, it comes from a pressure from without. In the case of the prisoners, they are issued that orange jumpsuit and they have to wear it. But unity uh, is something that the Holy Spirit gives us on the inside and, 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 and creates for us in relationship with others. It is, it is a spiritual grace that comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, let's, look at, let's look at back at, chapter, at verse 2. He says, here's the characteristics that you should have. Humility and gentleness. Uh, that it really should begin with humility. When I think about what's going on in our society today, and what, how we seem to be tearing apart, one thing that is sorely missing, I think you might agree with me, is, is humility. We've got people on various sides with various opinions, and there's not a lot of humility going on. Everybody feels like they know and understand, and their, their opinion is absolutely right. Um, when we really need to approach our relationship with others, with, with humility so that we can understand. Um, so humility needs a little definition sometimes. It is not thinking bad about yourself. That's false humility, really. Humility is thinking of yourself in the way that God thinks of you. So if you're a person that likes to beat or does beat up on yourself uh, and, and just struggles with that, I want you to know that that's not true humility because the Bible teaches us that you are created in the image of God. And so if you are seeing yourself as less than created in the image of God, um, then that's, that's not seeing yourself as God sees you, and that's not true humility. Humility um, doesn't come from comparing ourselves with anyone else, but just knowing who we are to our Father. Uh, and then he uses the word uh, patience. And also the term bearing with one another. Hey, these are super important in the cause of unity, to have patience and to be able to bear with the people that you are in relationship with. He wouldn't have mentioned the term bear with if it wasn't going to be hard at times to bear with those that you're in relationship with. He wouldn't have used the word patient if you weren't going to have to exercise patience and learning to live alongside and be in, in unity with other people. So we shouldn't be surprised, even within the church, when difficulties arise among brothers and sisters. But the Spirit gives us power uh, to have unity. Um, 
Notice he says in verse 3, it's eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. The Spirit is the author of this unity. Um, he also says, make every effort to have this unity. Make every effort. Um, it should, you should be vigilant about it. It should be something that you are working at, that you're aware of, and that you are striving for all the time. Uh, are you making every effort for unity in the relationships that you have uh, with the people in the church, in your family, in the world around you? Here's the uh, next paragraph, starting with verse 4. Let me read it to you. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I bet it's easy to spot what, what the most important uh, word in that paragraph is, right? Uh, he used it over and over and over. The word is one. He is, is going overboard to describe to them the oneness that they have in this new relationship in the church. Now, remember the context that he's writing to Jews and Gentiles who have been uh, enemies that are not close, at the very least, forever. And now they are put into community in the church. And so they have been a different people, but now he is reminding them of their oneness. Um, so uh, let's, let's go back through those. He says there is one body. Um, and so one of the metaphors that Paul loves and is really helpful to us is that the, the church, uh, all the people who follow Jesus, make up one body together. That's what he's talking about. There's one body of Christ, as the word says. There's one body, which is the church, and Christ is the head of that body. Um, remember the scripture says, and the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't have any need of you. Um, so everybody in this body is important. Everybody is valuable. Everybody has a place, and we are one together. And then he says that there is one spirit. There is only one Holy Spirit who indwells all of us. And so the ramifications for me in keeping unity are this. Um, that spirit that I depend on inside of me is also inside of you if you follow Christ. And if I don't trust you sometimes, I've got to learn to trust that the Holy Spirit within you will speak truth to you and, and, and will speak truth to me also. That Holy Spirit within both of us draws us together and gives us common ground. He says one hope. Uh, we have one hope, which is that um, the kingdom of God would come here on earth and that we would spend eternity with him uh, forever beyond that. This is eternal relationship that we have is, is our hope. And all of us together in Christ look for the return of the Savior. We look for um, that, that day that we will be in his presence. We have one hope. It says, he says that we have one Lord. Uh, here he's talking about Jesus as, as our head uh, of this body of Christ. He is our Lord. And so if, how can we be at odds if we all have the same Lord, if we all have the same head? If when his agenda becomes my agenda and his agenda becomes your agenda, then we are all on the same page. We are unified together under this one Lord. Uh, he says there's one faith. Now, sometimes we differ as we read the scripture to, uh, independently and come together to talk about it. Uh, it's, it's a difficult exercise sometimes to interpret that scripture, and sometimes we differ on things. And yet there's one faith because we all have the same object of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. And that, in that, we all agree on. 
Uh, he says there's one baptism. Now, here he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, in, in the first chapter of Ephesians, in the first few verses, he teaches us that when we uh, come to follow Christ in the first place, that we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, that we're marked with the Holy Spirit, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And all of us who follow Christ have that same baptism. And then he finishes with one God and Father. And so the implication here is that we're all in the same family, right? We all have the same father. And so we are related as brothers and sisters. We're connected, in a, and we have, we're all in the same family. So how can, uh, how can I help, and how can you help to bring unity to the church? Well, we can walk worthy. Remember that, that picture, that image of, of living a worthy life and living up to our calling. We can live by the Spirit because the Spirit is the one that brings unity within the church. And we can remember the ones, all those ones, the things in common that we have in the body of Christ that tie us together. All right, how can I bring unity to the world? How can you bring unity to the world? That seems impossible, uh, especially at this moment in time. But here's, here's how we can do it. Share Jesus. Share Jesus because as the kingdom of God expands and people are brought into community in the body of Christ, there, there will be unity as we become obedient to the Holy Spirit and walk by him. There is incredible uh, division in our society today. But as believers, we have the answer. And we can't be silent about it. I don't know how to fix the problems out there in society, but I do know this that there is unity in Christ. And if people turn to him, if there's repentance and revival in the land, there will also be unity. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what we've read here, uh, the great encouragement, God, here in, in these few verses about how you have put us in community with one another. Um, you've given us a love for one another, and you've, you've made us one with one another. And Father, God, I pray that that oneness would spread throughout uh, our culture, throughout this, our locale here, and throughout America. Father, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit, supernaturally, God, would, would begin to work in hearts and lives uh, to call them to you, Father. And that there would be a great turning to you, Father, that would result in our oneness as a people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, uh, even when we can't see it. We depend on you, Father. We trust in you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.